Friends, if you are journeying along through Scripture with us, or if you would like to be, I want to be sure you know that we have a guide that can help you on that journey. Out in the narthex and the table with the name tags, we have different booklets for each of the weeks as we go through the story of Scripture beginning here in Genesis. And so uh, this week's is there in the front and the week behind, uh, next week's is there behind it. It has questions for reflection and study that can be done individually or together as a group. There's a guide on the back for if you wish to read a scripture every day to catch more of the story in between what we hear in worship, and you're welcome to do that. If you'd like to join us for a deeper and richer study than we can do on Sunday mornings, we have two different study groups that are doing that, one on Monday evenings at 7 by Zoom and the other on Tuesday afternoon at 1 here in person at the church. You are invited to join with us in whatever way is most beneficial to you in your faith as we seek to find the meaning God has for us in the overarching story of Scripture. And today we come to the story of Abram. The Lord said to Abram, and then Abram went, and so we follow after him. Let us pray together. Almighty God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable unto you, our rock and our redeemer. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Leave it all, God said to Abram. Leave your land, leave your family, and leave your father's household behind. And in one of the most understated narrative surprises across all of Scripture, Abram does exactly that. Having heard the word of the Lord, Abram immediately drops everything that cannot be strapped to an animal and immediately leaves on a journey of unknown length headed to an unknown destination. I can barely even imagine what that could be like. Over the course of my life, I've only ever moved a few times. Now, the joke about Methodist ministers is that they always get moved around, but I've only ever done that once, and that was to get here in a cross-country move from Texas to Manchester. And I mean, it wasn't an easy thing to do, not by any means, but before I'd even gotten off the phone with the district superintendent who was telling me I was coming here, I was also on the computer online looking up this church because I wanted to know everything there was to know about where I was going. And so I learned all I could from such a distance, and I got excited about the ministry that we could do together. And I planned as I packed, and I removed every mystery that I could from that move before the movers even arrived to put my belongings on the truck. I could barely imagine relocating my whole life without some clear and definitive certainty about where I was headed and what I would do there. But that's what Abram did. And there are some who have lived exactly that story in all of the years since. Before it became as newsworthy as it would become over the last few days, I spent some time this week immersing myself in the stories of immigrants and migrants, looking for insight from those who know firsthand what it's like to leave everything behind for the hope of a better future. I'm sure that I thought I would find one perfect parallel to Abram's story, one picture of a person to put up on the screen with their story, perfectly exemplifying the faith that it would take to abandon the familiar and cling to the promises of God. I'm sure I thought I would find one story. Instead, I found dozens, dozens and dozens of stories of immigrants and migrants and refugees, enough stories that they all started to run together 
They're met with war or famine in their home country. Their lives were threatened by violence or persecution. They were everyday people who would have otherwise stayed in the land of their birth, but became immigrants in search of a better future or a future at all. Many would leave overnight or in a hurried moment, taking only the things that they could carry with them, and their journey to a new life would rarely be simple and was certainly never predictable. Some would find themselves in hastily constructed refugee camps for years on end. I read a few of those stories, one from a woman who fled from violence in her native Burundi and lived for more than a decade in a refugee camp in Tanzania where there was inadequate housing, rampant disease, and severe shortages of food. Over the course of her time there, she prayed continually for relief. We kept praying, she said, even if we can't use our mouth, but our hearts keep crying to God to change bad situations. Or there was the story of the 12-year-old from the Democratic Republic of the Congo whose family fled the violence from the neighboring Wandan genocide, eventually landing in a refugee camp where they lived for 15 years. And for a time, they all slept on the ground. And then when poles and plastic sheets were provided to make shelters, well, then it was 10 people to a space the size of a small bedroom. There was no good thing about, the life, about life in this camp, said the young man who grew up there. The only good thing was resettlement. His family's resettlement application was eventually approved, and they moved to Phoenix, Arizona, which was better. But the transition still wasn't easy as they adjusted to a new country with a different culture and an unfamiliar language. These are just two stories of the many, stories of determination and conviction, stories of courage and endurance and hope of daring steps taken against all odds into an uncharted future. Theirs is the story of faith with what may well be a blessing and a lesson for us, hidden in the hearing. The biblical story has always been a story of migration from the very beginning, an immigrant faith for an immigrant people. And even when we have nowhere to go and every reason to stay geographically put, we may still look to cultivate an immigrant faith, even and particularly today. The world has changed dramatically in the last few years, enough that it may feel like the country we were born to is no longer where we live. We've undergone a dramatic shift in technology sped up by the pandemic, and the cultural changes are ongoing. As a country and as a culture, we're reconsidering our trust in institutions. We're having conversations about institutionalized racism. We're learning to see injustices that inflict us along lines of economic disadvantage. We're experiencing a political division like we've never lived through, and all this in a world where the church is in numeric decline. And as much as we might wish to return to the place of our birth, there is no way back. Only the call God gave to Abram to be an immigrant. Leave your land, your family, and your father's household for the land that I will show you. And so Abram was sent into the unknown as we still are today. A faith to be worked out in the going, revealed in the unfolding of the days ahead in what is hardly a simple or a predictable journey. Things grow quickly more complex for Abram even once the destination comes into focus. After God made him an immigrant, God leads Abram into the land of Canaan, and he gives the land there to him and all of his descendants. But, the scripture tells us, the Canaanites lived in Canaan in that time. 
That seems like it could be a problem, gifting land that somebody else already lives on. Throughout most of history, this story has unfolded in only one way. The one who has claimed a divine right to the land takes what is divinely theirs, removing or ruling over anyone with the misfortune of having lived in the land first. Often, Abram's story is read as if if this is the only possible outcome after God has given him a land with people already in it. But God doesn't instruct Abram to conquer the Canaanites. I will make of you a great nation. And will bless you, God says, and then continues, and you will be a blessing. This is the divine instruction Abram carries with him into unfamiliar territory. The only instruction needed and the only instruction given to step into the unknown in front of him. He would receive blessings from God, but not to keep blessings to share. He would become a great nation, but never at the expense of the neighboring peoples. Abram would be a conduit for the gifts God wished to pour out on all the families of the earth. Love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus would later teach his disciples, and bless those that curse you. Blessing is to be the only option for Abram, for Abram and for all of his descendants Cursing is in there in the text, but God reserves the right to curse, saying, those who curse you, I will curse. And so there is no invitation for Abram to ever step into such a role. Abram is to be a blessing. His descendants are to be a blessing. They are only ever to be a blessing to all the people of the earth. And so when Abram is given a land with people in it, the question might well have been, what does it look like to bless these people here and now? This is Abram's task and still our task today to step into unfamiliar places, surrounded by unfamiliar people, and to live a life of blessing. To love the stranger and welcome the lost, to feed the hungry and clothe the naked, to embrace the lonely and shelter the oppressed, to heal the sick and grieve with those who mourn, to love our neighbors as ourselves. It is hardly ever an easy task, rarely ever a simple one, and often a challenge that we fail to meet. But God continues to work through us just the same. As Abram leaves everything behind, he travels into Canaan to Shechem, and he is met by God there. And so he builds an altar before traveling toward the mountains to the east, pitching his tent and discovering that God arrived there before him also. And so he builds an altar before heading south, making and breaking camp and discovering that God has gone first to every place before him. Abram would go on to become Abraham in a bit of a name change given to him by God, and he would make more than his fair share of mistakes along the way. He would flee from the land he was given out of fear of famine. He would pass off his wife as his sister on two separate occasions. He would give birth to a son with a servant because he didn't believe that God would give him descendants through his barren wife. And then he would send that servant and that son out into the desert to near certain death. And still, with all of this in his life, God was with him. 
Over and over and over again in Abram and then Abraham's story, God makes the same promise to him. I will be your God. I will go with you. I will make of you a great nation, and you shall be a blessing to the nations. Like a child who didn't repeat it, Abram gets it heard, hears it from God again and again. And whenever Abraham might have reason to question God, that promise is repeated. In one instance, not too long after this moment, God seals the promise in what was then a traditional fashion where parties commit to a covenant by splitting several live animals in half and then walking between the two halves, signifying that if they then are to break the promise, they too shall be split in half. But incredibly, when God seals the covenant in this way, splitting animals and making the path, it is only God and not Abraham who walks through the animals and is bound to keep the promise. From the very beginning, long before we were committed to God, God was committed to us. And so as we celebrate in the waters of baptism, even when we cannot make a claim of faith, even when we do not know what to do or where to go, even when we will surely make a royal mess out of things throughout our whole life in all of the days to come, even then, God claims us in grace, and in love. As one author wrote, every road leads to a fork, and every fork in the road eventually leads to another, but all of the roads belong to God. The real challenge is not choosing the correct fork, but learning to walk with the Savior who can use any road to bring us home. Abram didn't know where he was going and didn't know what he would do when he got there. None of us do. But still, we can set out into the unknown with faith because we know that we will make mistakes along the way. But every road belongs to God, and any road can lead us home. Any road can return us to the God who blesses us and who wants to bless the world through us. In my foray through the stories of immigrants, I also met a woman named Wendy. Not an immigrant, but one who works with them, who teaches English to refugees through a resettlement agency, and who works with refugee youth as a Sunday school teacher in her church in New Jersey. And she wrote how working with immigrants has deepened her faith, how she has been blessed by their witness and their stories. Her first student, she says, was a woman who fled the Congo years ago for safety in Uganda before arriving in the States with her husband and four kids three years ago. This woman struggled with the adjustment, saying time and time again, it's hard, so, so hard here. But she kept working at her English, kept worshiping at church, kept loving and nurturing their children, working hard to adapt and to thrive in an unfamiliar place. And when Wendy felt prompted to take a trip overseas to better understand the challenges and the difficulties that women in particular face in immigration, well, she asked her friend, her student, to pray for her. And this woman did in her native language, Kinyamuleche. And it was a holy moment. And Wendy writes, I was enveloped in one of the strongest senses of God's love I have ever felt. I couldn't understand one thing she was saying, and at the same time, I knew exactly what she was praying. God was touching me at that moment and sending me off. God was there. God had been with my friend her whole life, keeping her until this very moment. God had been with me, keeping me until this very moment. And here we sat together, brought together 
in God's own time and by God's grace to encourage and support each other on our journeys. I was deeply blessed, she wrote, and carry this loving prayer inside me always. This may well be the blessing of Abram's immigrant faith, the faith that is carried so well by so many who know what it is like to step into an unknown place and to seek to live as a blessing. This may well be their faith, the assurance that God is with us, that God goes with us, and God brings us together to be blessings to one another. May this be a blessing and a prayer that we hold inside of us always also. Thanks be to God. Amen. Friends, I invite us to continue in worship as we sing together our next hymn, Lord, You Lead to Fields of Green.